If you're like me, the first thing you do when traveling is check out what's happening with the local food scene, right? And as I've been planning my big book tour and live podcast tapings all around the country, man, I am very excited to eat my way across the nation. There's Atlanta, there's Miami, and so many more. Going to local restaurants gives you a great taste of that place. And if you pay your bill with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum Amex, you get double miles at restaurants. Getting a taste of local food is the best way to get to know the local culture. And if you travel, you know that's how it's done. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. I am extremely excited about what's going on at Whole Foods Market right now. It is the Taste the Mediterranean sales event, a store-wide, flavor-packed journey of regionally-inspired selections. Save on Mediterranean-inspired flavors like Parmigiano-Reggiano, Charcuterie, Whole Branzino, Sustainable Wild-Caught Sockeye Salmon. Right now, they're on sale at Whole Foods, okay? Wines from the sun-soaked vineyards of Spain, Greece, and Italy start at just $8.99. Must be 21 plus. Please drink responsibly. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. This episode contains explicit language. I think I'm at the part of my life where I'm just reflecting on all of the experiences that I've had. I call it, I a few years ago turned 40, and I call it my shameless 40s, where I'm just like living without shame because I'm figuring out that a lot of the shame that I carried was put on me by like culture, family, experiences, and it's not mine to carry. And so I am like shedding that shame. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. Quick note before we get started, this Wednesday, October 25th, is World Pasta Day. And to celebrate, I'm going to be making a big, major announcement. I'll drop a special message right here in the podcast feed. I'll put it on social media. It's going to be very, very exciting. That's this Wednesday. All right, let's get into it. On today's show, we're talking with Yuande Komalafa, a chef and recipe developer in Brooklyn. Yuande has a new cookbook out called My Everyday Lagos, which includes her take on some classic Nigerian dishes and some more modern variations. Nigeria is a place that Yuande once thought of as home. But as you may recall from an episode we did with her in 2018, when she moved to the U.S., she ended up losing her immigration status through no fault of her own. That meant she had to hide a part of herself. It meant she couldn't go back. And it led her to ask, when you have to hide a part of who you are, how do you connect with the taste of a place you used to call home? Today, we're going to re-air that original episode. Then afterwards, we'll share a new conversation with Yuande that we taped just a few weeks ago on the eve of the release of her first cookbook. Let's start at the beginning of her story. Yuande was born in Germany to Nigerian parents. They moved back to Nigeria when she was very little, so she grew up in Lagos, the country's biggest city. Looking back on her life in Nigeria, a career in food seems almost inevitable. After all, it runs in her family. My mom's a food scientist, so I remember, like, growing up in test kitchens with her testing recipes and, like, using us as her little taste testers. Um, I remember being surrounded by, like, candy all the time because my mom worked for a chocolate company, and I just thought that that's how kids grew up, (laughs) (laughs) like, surrounded by candy all the time. My grandmother would cook and, like, have the whole family over, including my extended family. She had, like, a big outdoor kitchen. There were stories. I never met my dad's mom, but there were stories of her running a restaurant in her little village. Um, So, yeah, like, 
women in my family always cooked. And I remember being really interested in food and thinking that I was also going to be a food scientist. And so when I signed up for college, I signed up to be a biochem major, um, but really hated chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, decided to go to culinary arts school after after college. So you started going down the road of food scientists, but you were sort of like, uh, do you have anything with like less science and <laughs> yeah, more eating? And like more eating right. or more, you know, like more like cooler looking, you right. know, more creative in right. that way. And so do you like when you're working in the kitchen testing recipes, do you call your mom? You guys compare notes? We do. Yeah, it's, it's actually one of our favorite things to do. Um, it's a way that we bond now through talking about food. Because I haven't been back to Nigeria in a really long time, a lot of our conversations sometimes surround me trying to pull from memory, like encountering a food or a spice or a seasoning here and saying, I remember this from Nigeria. It tastes like this. Like, what is it called? Yuande came to the U.S. from Nigeria when she was 16 to attend the University of Maryland. She came legally on a student visa. After she graduated, she enrolled at the Baltimore International College of Culinary Studies. A new school means a new student visa. But two years after starting there, there was a problem. Yuande didn't enroll in summer classes, and an administrator at the school took that to mean that Yuande was no longer enrolled there, period. The administrator was not experienced with dealing with international students. Like, you know, it was a small school in Baltimore, Maryland. And so she deleted my account for whatever reason. And that's how I lost my documentation here. Wait, so so you were here legally. You was, were a yeah. student. You had all the you had the student visa, mm-hmm. and some person just like in a bursar's office. In a in a bur- yeah in a bur- like hit delete. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What was it like when you figured out that that had happened? It, I, huh? What was it like? Gosh, shock. I realized that I was dealing with someone who had no concept of what she had just done. I realized how, like, my entire life depended on, like, pressing a button. And would you talk to this person about it? Like, Oh, man, I I did. <clears throat> I remember going into the office, and, I mean, I, I don't yell a lot. <laughs> But I remember, like, screaming at her and, like, losing my shit at her. Um, But there was still no recognition or acknowledgement of what she had done. And so it was up to me to to get reinstated. And I I didn't get reinstated. Like, I applied, went through the whole process, and then waited about a year to hear back um, from them. But I, I didn't get reinstated. We tried to confirm Yuande's story with that culinary school in Baltimore or get a comment from them, but the school no longer exists. As far as we know, the woman who messed up Yuande's visa never faced any repercussions. And clearly, the school had a lot of issues. In 2011, it lost its accreditation. When this visa debacle happened, Yuande essentially fell into a bureaucratic abyss that she couldn't crawl out of. So you stayed here and you were left undocumented. Yes. So I I decided to stay um, because at that time... I felt like going back to Nigeria was not really the option that I wanted to pursue. I had all my legal documents because I came here legally. I was still able to work because I had a social security number and I I had a driver's license. I was still able to 
sort of be legal here, but I just couldn't leave the country. And if, if I left the country, it meant that I wouldn't come back at all. Yuande felt like she had come to America to pursue her dream of a career in food, and she wasn't ready to give that up. So she threw herself into her work. She spent long hours in high-end kitchens, cooking mostly French and American dishes. I took a huge break from Nigerian food, and I wasn't really interested in cooking. I really was eager to learn about the food of the country that I was living in and get exposed to other cuisines. Meanwhile, Yuande was navigating life in America as an undocumented immigrant. It made it harder to talk about being Nigerian, and it made it harder to share, like, my being Nigerian. So to move ahead in her career, Yuande ended up cooking less Nigerian food. To stay in the country, she had to talk less about where she came from. In other words, without even fully realizing it, she had to act less Nigerian. She went on like this for more than 10 years. Her parents were able to come here to visit, and her brother moved here, but she couldn't go there. Finally, it caught up with her. I couldn't go back to Nigeria for so long. And the one thing that I knew I had was food. And so exploring Nigeria and exploring my memory of it, the the safest place for me to go was food. Yuande decided to try to recreate some part of Nigeria in her kitchen. So she started gathering the staples. Now, traditionally, a lot of Nigerian dishes start with a base sauce of bell peppers, tomatoes, onions, and habanero chilies. There are also a lot of funky fermented flavors that come from fermented fish and fermented locust beans. That funk is a real hallmark of Nigerian cuisine. It's the kind of thing that, if you're not accustomed to it, it can take some getting used to. But if you grew up with it, you can't live without it. Yuande made cassava. It's also known as yuca. It's a starchy root vegetable, somewhat similar to a potato. She also cooked lentils, plantains, and papaya. It was a very private thing. I think a lot of it had to do with, like, the fear and anxiety surrounding not being able to go back. And so when I did cook Nigerian food, it was always at home and, like, the privacy of my own kitchen. And if anybody was coming over, like, that's what they were going to have. But it wasn't really something that I wanted to cook at a restaurant or wanted to share with, like, the larger world. Around the same time that Yuande was reconnecting with her Nigerianness, she was reminded of just how dangerous that could be for her. I should say, Yuande is black, and she started dating a white guy, an American. One time we were in Marfa, driving through Marfa. In Texas. In Texas. And we got stopped by an immigration officer because it's really close to the border. And I was like, this is it. My life is over. And Mark's just like, don't say anything. Like, let me handle it. To me, like, law enforcement is like, speak only when you're spoken to. Like, don't make jokes with them. But when Mark relates to them, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. And, you know, the officer comes and he's like, what are you guys doing here? Mark's like, we're just driving to this ranch. Our friend owns a ranch right there on the border. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know that ranch. And they start talking about this place. And, like, the whole time I'm just, like, sunglasses on. Like, don't even look at him. Don't say anything. And he let us go. While Yuande was dealing with incidents like that in the outside world, she was still cooking Nigerian food for friends at home. But she thought of those dishes as totally separate from the fine dining food she was making at work. 
Then she realized she could use her training and experience in these high-end kitchens to shape her idea of Nigerian food. At home, in her kitchen, she began experimenting. She turned fufu, a traditional pounded yam dish that's eaten with Nigerian stews, into a dish like polenta, cooked with chicken broth, milk, and parmesan. She served cassava as a salad, topped with lime and cilantro. Then, she and Mark went on another road trip. We had driven to Vermont that summer and came back with, like, two frozen goat legs. <laughs> like you do. From- <laughs> <laughs> As you do when you're in Vermont. <laughs> yeah, natch. <laughs> and, and so my mom came, and I'm like, we should just have a big dinner where um, I cook with my mom and, like, you know, share, share. Goat is like one of my favorite meats to to eat. And so my mom seasoned the goat and she, you know, put all her spices on it and, you know, let it marinate. And it also happened to be right around the time of the election. That's Trump's election in 2016. And I really wanted to to be more vocal about being an immigrant just because of the way the administration paints the picture of immigrants, like, I'm one of those people. And so I really felt the need to speak up. It almost sounds like a superhero origin story. Follow me here. Yuande has this superpower, but she has to keep it to herself. Then she starts sharing it in private. And she gets better, grows more powerful. Finally, when the world needs her most, she decides she's not going to keep her Nigerian cooking and her identity secret any longer. She steps into a phone booth and comes out ready to fight for truth, justice, and the American way. Which in this case means hosting 60 people for dinner in her and Mark's loft apartment. And talking openly about her experience as an immigrant. But whenever a superhero goes public with their powers, there's always a question. Will they be accepted? What will people think? Well, the dinner was a huge success. It became a regular event. Every month or so, Yuande hosted a dinner open to the public where she shared her food and her story. She called it My Immigrant Food Is. Most of the people who came weren't familiar with Nigerian food, so she did make certain accommodations. If it was up to me, I would, like, explode people's palates. But I I also don't—I want them to enjoy the food, and it's hard to enjoy it if it's too hot. Right. Um, And and so, like, the way I deal with that is, like, if I add heat, then add something like mint to be refreshing and to cool— you know, so, or or serve something with, like, coconut milk at the end of the course, so it's, like, cooling. And I, I like that game that I play with, like, exploring ingredients and, like, trying to push them to whatever limit that I, I, I see fit. And I think that my, my approach to Nigerian food is also my approach to being Nigerian. I was born in Berlin. I lived in Nigeria. You know, we moved back to Nigeria speaking German. I think that the question of how Nigerian I am has always been a part of my story, like having to prove how Nigerian I was. And so I, th- I think I approach Nigerian food in the same way that, like, I'm, I'm going to cook it, and I'm going to cook it the way that's telling of my experience, and it's going to be Nigerian. Yuande says hosting that first dinner changed everything. It felt freeing. Um, it felt like I didn't have to avoid questions. Because what's also interesting is that I don't know that people know about the immigration process here. It's sort of like, oh, this person moved here and they're now living the American dream. And, you know, 
I'm I'm always like, well, what was their process like? You know, like how many years did it take for like their paperwork to be legal or, you know, like none of that gets told. And well, I'm sure it's probably there's a certain irony in the fact that, that I think in some ways immigrants know more about America than Americans do. Yeah. Yes. Over the years, Yuande has become a real expert in our immigration laws in particular. She and Mark did get married, but marriage doesn't guarantee you a green card. It's still a long, hard process. You have to provide tons of documents to show that your marriage is real. Joint lease, shared bank account, shared utility bills, holiday cards addressed to both of you, photos of you with your spouse and your families. And it's expensive. There are single forms that cost $500 or $1,000 just to file, plus legal fees. Yuande says it took more than a year and cost about $5,000 total. But in the fall of 2017, it happened. She got her green card. Is it actually a card? It's actually, it's like plastic. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave it in your, don't leave it in your pants expecting. when you wash your pants. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's like, it's like, it's like this like plastic green card. I thought it at least come like, in a, does it come in a nice like, box? No. <laughs> it came in a thing that said, welcome to America. <laughs> I'm like, I've been in America, you asshole. <laughs> like, welcome to America? Like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, so I'm processing what it means that I now have this thing that says I could be here. But she didn't feel like she was out of the woods. That's because green card holders are not fully shielded from deportation, according to Alejandra Molina, a reporter I spoke with who covers immigration. She said that in the political climate when Yuande got her green card in 2017, many people with permanent resident status worried it wasn't enough. The Trump administration worked to find more ways to deport people through policy changes and executive orders, people who, before Trump, would have been allowed to stay. For Yuande, clearly having a green card was better than not having one, but it didn't feel the way she expected. What's surprising to me on the flip side of, of getting my green card is that the behaviors of, like, anxiety and fear don't immediately exit. You know, I still think that, like, if I'm in an airport, there's a chance that I could get picked up. You know, like, that that thought takes a while to dissipate. And it takes a while to, like, understand that, like, I'm allowed to be here. And now you have a green card. Mm -hmm. You can come and go. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to go? Nigeria. Coming up, Yuande's trip back to Nigeria. Then later, we hear how all her travels informed her new cookbook. Stick around. delicious word from our sponsors. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, a business tripper, or a long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. They've got over 7,000 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels, and you will get the best 
value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. I especially love those Cambria hotels. They have locally inspired hotel bars with all kinds of specialty cocktails, downtown locations right in the center of all the action. Radisson hotels have flexible workspaces. That way, if you're a business traveler, you'll be able to get all your work done. On-site restaurants, fantastic. And then at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles and great pools for the whole family and spacious rooms. I mean, if you have kids, you understand the importance of the pool. If you stay at a hotel with a pool, almost nothing else matters. Fortunately, all the choice hotels take care of all the other stuff too, but I mean, a pool is a great start. Whatever kind of vacation you're going on, whatever kind of travel you're doing, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Recently, I went into my closet to try to get a collared shirt out, and it occurred to me that I don't think I have bought a new collared shirt in five years. I mean, (laughs) every shirt in there was either really old, or it had some kind of perma-stain situation, or it probably never fit right in the first place. I got to freshen up a little bit here. It's time for something new, right? And spring is coming. Now is the time if you've been looking to refresh your wardrobe, home, or skincare and beauty routines this season. Because you know, Walmart has genuinely surprising style finds that don't break the bank. This spring, there's only one destination for the latest fashion, home, and beauty inspired by real life. Walmart. I freshened up my wardrobe. I got some nice dress shirts, a couple light hoodies. You know, you need light hoodies for the springtime. Very useful, very comfortable. Discover surprisingly stylish new season favorites at Walmart now or shop it all on the Walmart app. Go to walmart.com slash now trending. That's walmart.com slash now trending. Now trending your style at Walmart. It's been chilly here in the Northeast lately, and we have been on a big grilled cheese dipped into tomato sauce kick here in the Pashman household. And I'm making the grilled cheese with Hero sliced bread. The kids like the Hero classic white bread. I like the Hero seeded bread. It's fluffy. The crust is just right. And I like that the slices are sliced just a little bit thicker than a lot of other sliced breads. You griddle it in butter. You add some cheese. You dip it in the soup. Phenomenal. And all the Hero breads are low in net carbs and they're high in fiber. All these Hero Breads are delicious and flavorful. They'll give you that soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a refreshing BLT, savory breakfast burrito, or mouth-watering cheeseburger. So whether you're making homemade grilled cheese, BLT, maybe a tuna melt sounds nice on some Hero seeded bread. I bet that would be really good. Maybe you're doing sliders on the Hawaiian rolls. Whatever it is, Hero has the bread for you. Don't give up being a breadhead. And Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use code SPORKFUL at checkout. That's code SPORKFUL at H-E-R-O dot C-O. I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know that peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's Sticks? Their wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate? I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy, and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Last week on the show, we had a lot of fun taking a spin through some food hot topics, another one of our salad spinner episodes. We talked about the group of 20-somethings living in a hacker house who created a fake steakhouse in New York City, and Juicy Couture's strange collab with Kraft Mayo. I feel like I'm going to get myself a mayo jacket, and I'm going to get some <laughs> blue bottle coffee New Balances, and I'm just going to walk around. You need a whole outfit. You need yeah. a tie, yeah. a hat. <laughs> yeah. I'll walk around my tub of ranch dressing ice cream. And you'll be the weirdest hype beast ever. <laughs> 
Listen to the episode to hear about other pressing news from the world of food, including Taylor Swift's list of food demands backstage at her concerts. That one's up now. Check it out. Okay, back to Yuande Komalafa, author of the new cookbook, My Everyday Lagos. After receiving her green card in 2017, Yuande was finally able to travel back to Nigeria with her husband, Mark. She flew to Lagos, Nigeria's biggest city, where her family lives. What was really weird to me was that I got on a plane and I was, that was taking me out of the U.S. And it wasn't eventful, it wasn't dramatic, and it was kind of disappointing. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know what I imagined, but like, I, I wanted it to, like, is that how people do it? They just get on a plane and go to like another country? Is that what happens? So they got out of the airport, found Yuande's parents, all good. Then they went out to eat. This would be Yuande's first bite of Nigerian food in Nigeria in 18 years. There was a dish called Nkobi. It's a cow foot that's like cooked until like the, the tendons are really soft and then it's pulled off the bone and tossed with like a palm oil and like shrimp and locust bean, just like very intense flavors. And it makes a kind of sauce or to coat it. And then like, you know, the, the color is also just like bright orange when it comes to the, the table. And I... Like, tasting that dish just felt like, oh, wow, like, I'm in Lagos, you know? Like, I'm here. Yuande had been away for so long. Her memory of the flavors had faded, taken on a sepia tone. Now she was experiencing those tastes in vivid hues. Like when Dorothy lands in Oz and everything goes from black and white to Technicolor. Everything was so spicy. I think I forgot how spicy Nigerian food is. And everything was so flavorful. It was salty and it was like a lot of fermented flavors and a lot of sour flavors. Everything was served with a chili oil. Like I feel like I had been searching for that spice all my life. Before this trip, Yuande talked about trying to balance the spice in her Nigerian cooking using mint or coconut milk. She says now... I suddenly think of like my Nigerian cooking as too subtle. I mean, gosh, the, the flavors that I tasted there were just like everything hit my palate. If it was spice, it was fermented, it was smoked, it, you know, just everything was intense. Now, in thinking of Nigerian cooking, I want to add that intensity to it. Like, I, I want to hit people's palates the way my palate was hit in Nigeria, because, like, to me, like, that's Nigerian cooking. How will this trip change your dinners? I made a chili oil when I got back, and I made it with, like, I got fermented locust bean, ginger, garlic, and the chilies, um... And I have a huge, like, mason jar of it in my fridge. And I'm going to serve that alongside every course. I think also, like, another element that I really enjoyed was, like, the passing around of food and, like, the sharing of food and not necessarily having plated food. But I love, like, large platters of food and you get to, like, pass them around. Because I think it also just encourages conversation and, like, it eases people up. It's like you can't really say no to, like, a plate of, like, millet salad that's coming your way. You know, you can, but I say don't say no to that. <laughs> you know? Yuande will judge you, is what she's saying. Totally. I can see you from the kitchen. <laughs> After talking about all that amazing Nigerian food, I really wanted to go to Yuande's next dinner. 
but it was the night of my daughter's birthday. So our friend Rachel Bongiorno went instead. Yuande estimates that only about 10% of the people who come to her dinners have a lot of familiarity with Nigerian food. So the big question was, how would people react to Yuande's new, more intense flavors? Yuande and Mark welcomed everyone. So uh, there's a... There's no seating arrangement, so this is... Yeah, so feel free to seat yourselves. Um, there's a Hungarian rosé that a friend of ours imports. Uh, do you guys want to talk about soup? The soup is a mango consomme. It's um, mango and habanero chilies. It's habanero chilies. In case you couldn't hear Yuande describing that first course, it was a mango soup with habanero chilies served with calabash nutmeg crackers. She says calabash nutmeg is a smokier, milder type of nutmeg. After that, there was whole roasted fish with yaji spice relish. Yaji is a ground spice blend used to season suya, which is basically Nigerian barbecue. Then there was pea shoots with braised beef cheeks and fermented cassava cake. And for dessert, roasted pineapple and saline pepper ice cream. Saline pepper is a type of black pepper found in parts of Africa. After the meal, Rachel talked with the diners, and pretty much everyone said the same thing. The food was really spicy. And that's what they loved about it. It was unexpected because you didn't necessarily taste the spice initially. It was a few seconds later, and it it really brought the dishes together. I mean, I'm a professional chef, and I've been in the industry for 20 years, and I still was kind of like, yeah, cassavas, like, I, stews, right, dried fish. Like, I I don't really know. Like, it's a part of the world that I don't really know deeply. The flavors of Yoande's food have definitely become bolder since she came back from Nigeria, which I love. It was amazing before, but it's just so much more now since she got back, and I'm super excited about it. I feel like I've been floating for about 10 years, and I think I, I was hoping to feel more grounded and to like understand both where I come from and myself. I, I, I needed something about being Nigerian to feel real. And food was my approach. So is it fair to say that this trip made you feel more Nigerian? It made me feel like I am Nigerian. You know, like it sort of quieted those questions that I had about my identity. And it made me feel like no matter how long I spend away from it or no matter how far away I am from Lagos, like, I, that it's mine. As I said, that conversation with Yuande happened back in 2018. Now, her new cookbook, My Everyday Lagos, is out. Over the years, she's partnered with other chefs to write their cookbooks, but this is the first with just her name on the cover. So I wanted to hear more about that and get an update on what else has been going on with her. Here we are, Yuande. Hey. Hi. It's good to see you. Yes, it's been a while. In the last five years, Yuande has been back to Lagos several times, had two children, and gotten a job as a cooking writer for the New York Times food section. But perhaps most relevant to our earlier conversation? I am now an American citizen. I Congratulations. have a blue passport okay. that says I'm an American citizen. And there's no special conditions on it? Like- Surprisingly not. They just gave me the passport. 
can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> they, they said, welcome to America. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and gave me this book. And now I can travel without having to get a visa or, or any of that um, paperwork that I had to do before. But yes. You talked when you had just gotten the green card that the sort of the feelings of anxiety and stress being undocumented didn't float away as quickly as you had hoped. Where are you at with those feelings now? <laughs> You're going to find this funny. I walk through the border like I own the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you can't say shit to me. <laughs> yes, I'm American. What do you want? <laughs> Completely different aura. <laughs> so not only have you become an American, you become a New Yorker. Yeah, oh my God. To the bone. <laughs> But the big headline now is that Yuande's cookbook is here. She made reference to the idea of writing a cookbook when we spoke five years ago, but it wasn't until a couple years later that she actually started working on it. I had worked on so many cookbooks, and I realized at some point that I had a story to tell, and it was unlike any other story that I'd seen in food media or the publishing world, and I think I started playing with that idea. Yuande's immigration status has been key to her being able to write the book because it's enabled her to visit Nigeria multiple times in the last several years for research. She says spending more time there completely changed her perspective of the cuisine. There's so much nuance to the food culture there. You know, I, I set my book in Lagos because Lagos acts as um, a gathering place for so many of Nigeria's different cultures. The food in Lagos keeps evolving. They're doing things that I've never seen before in cooking or in our cuisine. And the food that we cook here in the diaspora is stuck in whatever time we left. And so my aunt, who left in, like, the 1970s, is cooking food as she remembers, you know. And I'm cooking the food that my grandmother cooked that I remember. Um, but going back to Lagos, they're like, oh, my God, that's the old way to do it. We don't do it. Right. We don't do it like that anymore, you know. Over the years, I've heard similar sentiments from other immigrants. When you leave your home country, your impression of the place you left gets frozen in time, including the food. So as the decades go by and the culture in your home country continues to evolve, you end up with a disconnect between the people who left and the people who stayed. But in recent years, as she's worked on her book, Yuande has been able to reconnect with what's currently happening in Nigeria. It's been freeing to go back to Lagos and see all the wonderful things. Like, they had puff puff, which is like a fried dough, which every culture has a version of it, but they've been stuffing it. There's like savory puff puff now. There's Ooh. like version stuffed with like guava jam or you know and like that's not something I've ever like I would I hesitated to even put sugar in the outside of puffos because I'm like the when they sell them they sell them with no sugar right. and you know but I'm it also just frees me up to experiment and make it my own and make it true to my own experience are there is there a couple dishes that come to mind that you feel like illustrate that from the cookbook? Um, I can think of Iwok Adesi, which is also called native rice. It's a rice that's cooked in a very heavy palm oil stew. And so it comes out looking bright orange. It's so lovely and so delicious. It's got all the strong flavors of Nigerian cooking. So there's iru, which is the fermented locust bean. There's crayfish. There's really hot chilies, scotch bonnets. Um, yeah, That's my all-time favorite, <laughs> hot pepper, the Bonus. So amazing. Yeah. But that, that dish I cooked in one pot 
and cooked it with some chicken that had been pan seared. So I made it into like a skillet dinner. But like that, like you wouldn't really see it served that way in Nigeria. You'll probably see it with goat or beef. You know, it's still the same thing, but it, it's just a different take on it. Right. I bet it's got so much flavor. It has so much flavor. Oh, I, so call, I call the scotch bonnet, the iru, and um, the crayfish, the holy trinity. So I make a pepper paste that has all of those things that I add to all the dishes throughout mm. the book. So, Yawande, way back when, there was a couple of dishes that you said were going to be in this cookbook when it was still just a, a, a glimmer in the corner of your eye that had me very amped. Is there a recipe for chili oil with fermented locust beans with garlic and ginger? Yes, that recipe made it. All right, amazing. It's called agoni sauce. Okay. Yes. And then, um, and then there was pineapple pepper ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> that I I'll, I will give you the recipe right. for that, but it's not in the cookbook. All right, all right, it's right. not in the cookbook. That okay. was like a dinner only. Okay, that yes. was a one off. That was a one off. All right, maybe yeah. the next cookbook. But it sounds delicious. I yeah. should have put it. I should have put it in there. Yeah. <laughs> As Yuande wrote her cookbook, one question she grappled with was who her audience was and how she would write for that audience. And this actually relates to another conversation she and I had on this show back in 2020. This was after our original episode about her immigration story. She was already working on the book. And at that time, Yuande wrote a feature for the New York Times on the 10 essential Nigerian recipes. It was part of a series they were doing on a range of cuisines. I played a clip for Yuande from that conversation in 2020. I've had to work to not write recipes for the white audience because I think that food media is steeped in that. If I'm developing a recipe for Nigerian cuisine, I have to tell you where Lagos is on the map. Um, I have to explain what that palm, red palm oil is not going to kill orangutans. Um, and so I'm going through this process now of, as I'm writing my own cookbook right now, I'm going through this process of like, who am I writing for? Why do I have to explain every single ingredient in here? How much explanation is enough? Should I, you know, like part of it also falls on the consumer to do their own research. Like if you want to cook a recipe from Nigeria, like go do some work, go visit African markets, go ask questions there, you know. Yeah. So here you are now at the end of that process. How did you end up navigating those issues? For sure. I decided um, somewhere in there, and I think that writing the cookbook actually helped me do this. I decided that I just wanted to write for people who looked like me and people who could relate to the work from a place of knowledge. But also, I've, I tried to, like, not do it too much that it completely loses an audience that doesn't know anything about the cuisine. But I also want to push that audience to do some work. Um, so I ended up not really explaining a lot. I would put things in the book that were in Yoruba and not explain why I put them in Yoruba. I would have, like, a definition for it, but that was about it. And so I firmly stood in that space I had arrived at in that interview where I just want to write because the process of like having to stop and explain is inhibiting my creativity. In that same conversation in 2020, Yuande was asked if she felt more or less optimistic about these issues in food media. I played her response for her. I think I'm more optimistic because for a long time I was waiting for for this industry to create a space for me. And now I'm more of the opinion that like, you know what, fuck it. If you can't make space for me, I will make my own table. 
<laughs> so defiant, you want me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If your kids start giving you attitude, I you want to. I know where it comes from. <laughs> Don't blame Mark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, does it feel like publishing your first cookbook is sort of you making your own table? Um, huh. That's such a big thing, you know, like creating your own table. I think that it's it's an accomplishment of sorts, and I hope that I've made it easier for the Black women, for the Black people who come after me and work within the publishing industry or work within food media. I think that's my focus is making sure that they are supported in a way that I might not have been. So I guess in a way that is creating a table, I don't know that it's for myself. It's more for, like, the greater good of humanity, <laughs> you know? Um, it's more for, like, black humanity. But, you know, who builds a table for one? Mm, that's true, yeah. The point of a table yeah, is, to is to gather share. people around Absolutely. it. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I had to think through that. But, yes, I would say that it's it's building a table of sorts. Well, I'll bet the food at that table is going to be delicious. <laughs> it's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be incredible. <laughs> That's Yuande Komalafa. Her cookbook, My Everyday Lagos, is out this week and available wherever books are sold. And I'm so glad Yuande finally wrote a cookbook because I needed that chili oil with fermented locust beans and garlic and ginger recipe like years ago. So thank you, Yuande. Also, giveaway alert. You want to win a copy of Yuande's book? All you got to do is subscribe to our newsletter by November 12th, and you'll be entered to win this and all of our future giveaways. If you're already a subscriber, you're already entered. Sign up now at sporkful.com slash newsletter. Remember to stay tuned for a very big announcement this Wednesday. Then next week on the show, my guest is Sola L. Whaley, who talks about tuning out family pressure to follow her dreams and why she thinks culinary school is a scam. That's next week. In the meantime, listen to last week's Salad Spinner episode. We look at why grocery stores might be able to learn something from Bass Pro Shops. And we analyze the foods Taylor Swift demands backstage at her concerts. That's up now. The Sporkful is produced by me, along with senior producer... Emma Morgenstern. And producer... Andres O'Hara. Our engineer is... Jared O'Connell. Our intern is... Julia Russo. Much of this episode was originally produced by Anne Sandy and Aviva de Kornfeld, with editing help from Rob McGinley-Myers and mixing by John Delore. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Nora Ritchie and Colin Anderson. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. This is Whitney Vaughn from Fort Worth, Texas, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Why pick one city, one beach, one restaurant, or even one view? With Celebrity Cruises, you can have it all. Explore the best of Europe, the Caribbean, and Alaska with the best premium cruise line. 
And now get 75% off your second guest, plus bonus savings on select dates with Celebrity Cruises' semi-annual sale. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to non-refundable fares and select sailing. Savings vary by stateroom category. Other terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships Registry Malta.